welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, I'm Stefan Kazakis from Business Benchmark Group. And again, welcome to our podcast series, which is gaining more and more momentum on a weekly basis. And I wish to thank you, particularly the more loyal and more trusted, I guess, uh, I guess receivers and, 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 and appreciators of this uh, podcast. I guess this is for you and, and, and we are excited to be seeing the numbers and the interaction growing. So we're really committed to continue this series and... Uh, I guess, you know, when, when it's all done and dusted, it's all about thinking, it's all about critical thinking, it's all about how can we add one, two, three points of, I guess, uh, distinction and or reference, whether it's uh, through our think tanks, whether it's through our interviews with existing business owners that we coach and or are coaching, and or the guests that we bring in every so often to, to share their I guess, their authoritative uh, journey in their businesses and their place of expertise in uh, breaking through the, uh, the the barriers and or the, uh, the, 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 brick road, the brick road that keeps on giving. So I guess um, no different with this, uh, this, this episode. We've got the co-founder of uh, Harehouse Warehouse, uh, Joe Le- Joseph Latouf. Um, he was our uh, guest speaker and he's, his sharing was to the point. It was frank. It came from the heart and... Uh, if, if, if you get to know these uh, the, the, these guys, you get to understand that, you know, nothing comes easy. However, being really clear and um, focused on on the opportunity and how you bring people within to, to keep on growing up and with you is, uh, is critical. So Joseph and his brother uh, co-founded um, Harehouse Warehouse in 1992 and, and since the first team of eight staff in, 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 the, in the day of 1992, they now have over 100, 120 uh, salons Australia-wide. They employ over 1,000, you know. As a collective group, they employ over 1,000 qualified team members in every corner of Australia and um, they, they, they do have a plan to keep on expanding and, and in a time and age where, I guess, you know, um, retail and retailers and franchise and franchisors and ease are constantly challenged. It seems that, you know, the Harehouse Warehouse story um, is not so much just growing, but it's uh, it's it's dealing with what is a real and, and considered threat in terms of their continual momentum and relevance in the Australian um, market. So, you know, we, um, we have um, a business that's been um, awarded in so many ways in over so many years and uh, Joseph um, opens uh, opens his sharing and, and, and there's some brilliant pearls of wisdom that regardless of your industry and where you're at in your journey, um, I'm sure you will enjoy the candor that comes from Joseph Latouf, the, uh, the partner and owner and founder of uh, Harehouse Warehouse. Enjoy. Our keynote speaker started his and their business, because it's a family business. He's a co-founder of a business called Harehouse Warehouse, which started in 1992. Joseph Latouf and his brother Tony started a business in 1992, and since the first team of eight staff members was opened in Knox City, 1992, Harehouse Warehouse has successfully grown to over 140 salons Australia-wide. Employs over 1,000 qualified, not just arms and legs, they've got a bit of brain that comes with it, 
right? Qualified team members who in this room could be bothered with 1,000 people on the team. Who could be bothered? Imagine, imagine employing or hiring 1,000 people in your team. How cool would that be? And for some of us, not. And yet, one of the key principles in business is OPT, other people's time. And if you don't learn it, you'll never get to a point called OPM, other people's money. The greatest point of business is OPT and OPM, otherwise known as business leverage, and you better learn it. So, Tony and his brother Joe started a business which thereafter has 1,000 qualified staff and plans to expand. Plans, not hopes. <laughs> plans to expand to more than 250 stores in Australia and internationally over the next five years. A couple of accolades for this amazing business. In 2014, Australian Catalogue Awards Health and Wellbeing category winner. In 2012, Franchise Council of Australia established franchise or national finalist. Let me go back to the start. 2004, BRW listed in Australia's fastest growing franchises. 2006, BRW listed in Australia's fastest growing franchises. 2007, Australian Business Awards national winner for marketing excellence excellence category. 2007, BRW listed in Australia's fastest growing franchises. 2010, FCA Marketing Excellence National Finalist. I can read this for another four minutes, guys. It is a list that's just going and going and going. So, this is what it means to be personal best. This is a business owner that has just gone and gone and gone. Discipline, focus, resilience, tenacity and push through, bringing an army of people with them. Please give Joseph Latouf a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you very much, and I appreciate uh, everyone being here. It's really interesting uh, what Damien said earlier about um, how long you've been in business before. I actually had to work it out, so I, didn't, I don't ever count how long I've been in business. I've been in business for 28 years. So I must still love it because I'm still here. And I've taken some notes, what Stefan's just said, and I've learned some things. And I'm texting my staff as I'm over there saying, you should have come because I didn't know what to expect. And <clears throat> I generally want to have a really good day every day. And I'm actually going to have a really good day today because I'm motivated already by personal best because that's something that I try and do all the time. And probably one of my... Uh, weaknesses is I want to get better and better and better. I'm never satisfied, so it's really interesting. What's really important is, is to me, and uh, we, we look a lot in business, we're a family, it was two brothers, um, you know, we have dreams, we have goals, we have vision, we have passion, we're persistent, we work hard. It actually made us successful. But what made us successful was we did the same thing every day, but we did more and more and more. And by doing more and more and more, we sort of got to where we were. But we didn't do, get there on our own. In the beginning, in 1987, I just want to tell you, before House Wows, we actually opened our first salon here in Westfield Shopping Town, Doncaster. We paid $300,000 for this shop, and it was a run-down hair salon. My brother and I took over on December the 26th, 1987. Christmas was over. So the busiest period was over. Before that, I used to work for the guy for a month to try and see if the business was anything. And what he did, the owner, previous owners, was stop taking checks. 
So I had to go get some money from the bank and cash people's checks in to keep the customers happy so I didn't lose them for the future. So I did whatever it took while I was working there so people would still want to come back, having no clientele. When we did this, failure was not an option. So we looked at this as we're opening up a hair salon. My brother's, my background is I didn't finish year 10. My brother didn't finish year 10. I'm a hairdresser, he's a retailer. So what we did, he was very successful in the liquor industry and I was a very good hairdresser working for other people. So what we did was we spoke and I said, let's open up a salon together. So we opened this salon. No one knew who we were. Our sign, that wasn't our logo at the time, it was called Latouffe International. It was a local sign writer that the board would have cost a few hundred dollars and we stuck it on the wall and we had no clients. So the first day we drove together to work and, we, and, he, and I said to him, we've got no clients, what are we gonna do? And he said to me, let's just do our best, we'll make it happen and let's see. I said, okay. So what did we do? He stood outside the shop, outside the front of the store and people walked past and he'd introduce himself and people would walk off. He'd say to a lady, would you like a free haircut? And one would say no, some said yes. The ones that said yes, they came in, I cut their hair. I did an amazing haircut for them. They ended up having a colour. We ended up making money. How do we make money is because we went over and above. We didn't wait for people to come to us. So we started that process. We started advertising. So we had a whole journey. Within 12 months, we made this salon the number one busiest hair salon in Australia. So that was amazing for us. But we did it with commitment, passion and persistence. But we believed in ourselves. And this is why, you know, when you look at here what Stefan says, personal best, it's all the time. Then we start the journey, and I wanted to talk about Latouf so you just know where we started from. And Latouf is still here today, and it's still going, and it's still going really strong. In 1992, we started Hair House Warehouse, five years later. In five years, we opened up four Latouf hair salons in the meantime. So we grew it. But then we found out by looking at a, a possibility, we understood that it was very hard for our staff to sell retail. Hairdressers are like chefs. It's all a secret. You do an amazing style, they put product in your hair, and you go home, you don't know what they've done. You can't do their hair the same that they've done it the next day. So what did we do? So we looked at, we were our own market research. So my brother and I, we didn't hire a market research company because we couldn't really afford to, even though we're five years later, we didn't understand it. So our market research was us, and the market research was from our Latouf clients. That was it. So we thought that was enough at the time. Then you look at hair salons are just hair salons. So every time you go to a salon, they're all the same. You go into a salon because you want to have your hair done. You're not really going into a salon to buy retail. Then what we did was we used our strengths and our strengths were to change this hair industry because what we wanted to do was take the focus from being a salon with retail, we wanted to become a retailer with a salon. So what we did through our evolution, expansion and development, right, and having that passion, hard work, step by step each day, we did the same thing, repetition, repetition, we opened up this. It was $11,000 fit out. It took us probably about a month, and it was 1992, $11,000. It was cheap, stack them high, watch them fly. We didn't care, we didn't care about hairdressing. We put in a fake hair salon out the back 
so suppliers would su supply the product. We did not want to cut hair. We actually did everything the opposite of what Latouf did. And we created this discount warehouse of product. Everybody hated us. In Knox City, the, the uh, competitors hated us. And what we did was we, had, we have an, uh, a thing that we keep on doing today. It's called opening day attitude. So if you've got the same day that you, when you open your business, the hunger, the excitement that you have every day, then you're always going to have a great day. And we, have this, and we use this same formula today. We did what it take, took, and we were either going to sink or swim. This is our first store. So this is our store of retail that we thought we're the masters of. So how do we win? We believed in ourselves and we backed ourselves. We backed ourselves and this is what we did. And this is a true, what I tell you, it's, I tell the, you the, what happened, the successes, the highs and lows. We used to buy product from our competitor so he wouldn't have the product. So we'd buy it at the price and sell it cheaper so we'd lose money. We would go to, if someone asked for something, we'd run to Priceline and buy it. And then we'd run back and say, won't be a moment, and we'd give them a coffee or whatever. We did what it took. In those days, there was a product, a hair braider that came out. Harvey Norman was selling them. Everyone was selling them. My brother sent every, all us, had two, we had two staff that would, had vans. We sent them in a van to buy all of them from all the Harvey Norman stores so we could put them in our store. So we had them, we put them in the front of the store. So we did whatever it took to be different. And we had a price war with our competitors because our pe competitors were comfortable. They were very comfortable because they were there, there was no one else, so no competition. So how do we make a difference? So we had to come in and do things better. So we made sure we did everything better than they did. And what was that? It was experience. It was service. It wasn't look and feel, because we did not look better. We actually looked cheap. And that was the whole concept. So 10 years later, we went to this. And we thought, wow. We thought, you know what? Geez, we've made it. Like, it's so exciting. We were wrapped with that. And we thought, this is amazing. And you know how we ran our business? We ran our business by the hour, like a football team. So we used to say we want to make $4,000 a day. We'd divide that up by eight hours. So each hour, we have to make so much per hour. So the, the best thing about this business was it's simple. The best thing about this was you had to make, say, $600 or $500 an hour. So you'd show your staff by 10 o'clock, you only made 300. So you've got to make the 200. Then by 11 o'clock, you were still down. So you knew what to do when it's lunchtime and it gets busy, what do you do? So you get into the upsell mode. How do we upsell? How do we get to the target? And we used to incentivize them and, and all this stuff. Till today, we run our business by the hour. And as Stefan said, there's no use waiting till the end of the day for the result. You've got to wait for it as you go. So we don't wait for the last quarter to kick all the goals. We actually wait till lunchtime, we reevaluate. We don't change the budget or the, the target or anything. We just tell the guys, move, 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 and get sales happening. And we give the guarantee, if you don't like it, bring the product back. Don't sell things that are bad. Don't sell things that, sorry, that won't work on the client's hair. And we have, look today, we have lots of complaints, and we have lots of great stories. And that's what happens as you get bigger. You've got to handle the complaints, but you don't let the complaints weigh you down. So momentum kicks in. We put a sign up in the store, cheap sign, franchises available in the corner. And one guy says, I'll buy a franchise. So we open up our first store, make mistakes. We gave stores to people that we knew. We didn't have a real strong criteria of, you know, what's their business background. 
I couldn't even understand a P&L properly. I didn't even know how to read a P&L. I have to hire people that have done it before. So I need financial planners, I need accountants, I need business coaches, I need lawyers. I'm making, I made them rich, richer because I've had to hire them because I didn't know what to do. I know how to make money as in get people in the door, but what do I do with the money? So then evolution, then we have momentum. So then we go to this and we're thinking we're, we're, we're the best, we're the greatest. We start to become number one in Australia. So this is over 10 years. This is now getting to the 15th year. And what we did, we kept having vision. We kept believing that you've got to change your look and feel. You've got to constantly keep making it interesting and exciting for the business to grow. So we kept working harder and harder. We didn't back off. So then we look at this and, and we're bored and we're thinking, this is not right. So we opened this last week. This is in, oh, am I in the way like it? This is in Pacific Fair, Queensland, August, which is just a couple of weeks ago. Now this looks nice, looks a bit clinical to me, doesn't look warm enough, I'm not happy with it. So I'm arguing with the team, very, very involved. I'm involved personally in the way this looks. So we're working on it. So what do we do? We look at how the store sales are tracking. The, the sales are starting to work. There's no front stands out the front. Very nice, very upmarket and all this stuff. We don't want to be, we want to be value. We today want to be value. We had our biggest sale in history was Boxing Day. So our Christmas was okay, wasn't like it used to be. So what it tells us is consumers are waiting for a deal. They're waiting for a value. So our Boxing Day was amazing. So it shows you we cannot move away from value. And people know in our, all the research that we do, it's all about value proposition, and it's all about they, they know our logo, and we're about to change, we're looking to change our logo, they know the circle. A lot of market research, which we never did before. But what's really important from here is this. When do you reinvent yourself? When's it time to reinvent? The most important thing is to stay number one, there's a lot of people coming for us. And the biggest thing is combat the change in, in the market, combating the change, parallel importing. Thank God the Australian dollar is lower so people can stop. I mean, you guys probably hate it, but we're very happy because to import, you can't buy things as cheap. We want people to buy in Australia. Online is huge. So if we don't tackle online, we're dead. We are gone. We are finished. So we have an online business. Our biggest obstacle of online is we're not going against our franchisees. So our franchisees are our customers. So we give them piece of the action. So we give them 15% of every sale. But our online business is nowhere where it could be. Also, when you look at this, oops, attract new customers. We've got to get more people in the door. Customer counts are going down. Why are they going down? Because product is easy to get. Parallel importing. Chemist Warehouse is starting to hit our products. Woolworths, Coles, Pharmacy, all these people are getting into the hair and beauty, the well-being factor. Every one of us in this room have to wash the hair or do something with their hair and style it. So this is the businesses of product and styling and cutting is not going to go away. And we also do body piercing. We're actually the biggest in Australia and we don't advertise enough body piercing and we, and we, we do body piercing. What was the real critical thing is It's not clicking anymore, but 
The thing is, we had to learn how to engage with our customers better. So engaging with our customers and also engaging in making them having a better store experience. A better store experience, so what that equals is you build a relationship and then that equals in sales. If a customer, if you spend time with a customer, and this is a proven fact, our strip shop dollar averages are higher than our shopping centres. In our shopping, shopping centres, there's more people, so, they, so the staff don't spend more time. On a strip shop, you spend more time, you upsell, and you give them a whole concept, and the dollar average is higher. That means they're taking time to care, so consultation is everything. So with the reinvention, we are now sitting down with the company, and we're about to do a massive overhaul. And this is our prototype. What we're looking to do is, we've looked at Mecca Maxima, we've looked at Sephora, I don't know if anyone's been at Sephora. Majority of our business is women. We are looking at our whole business model now. In 2015, we are looking at every single product in our business. We are looking at the people, the franchisees. We're looking at the products. We're looking at the look and feel, the experience, the journey. Biggest part of our business is electrical sales. We're going to increase them and have everything that a woman and a guy wants. We're going to do more research. So imagine 20 years ago, no research. Just think what you, you, look, you looked at. It went off the shelf, so you ordered more. Now we're seeing nationally what people want and what people want, and we're listening. We're doing focus groups. That we, it's, it's amazing. So we're talking and asking the consumer, what do you want? And it's really interesting. The market research showed us that they said our stores look too cluttered, the music's too loud, um, um, signs everywhere. So we clean it up in some stores. We don't change the design. The stores that are cluttered are still busier. <coughs> than the stores that aren't cluttered. So it's really confusing, it's very hard. We've never ever built a prototype store before and we're about to do that. We are not going to launch the new look until we build it into a factory and see is this going to work. Because it's very easy to lose the customers that we've built since day one overnight by going too over the top. We don't want to lose our position in the market and our position in the market is to be accessible. All our research shows us is that we are very good at what we do. We're good at consulting. People know what we do, and I'm sure some of you have had some good experiences and some of you probably haven't. The ones that haven't, we want to know how we can fix that. And we've been having massive complaints on our online service. So we've sacked the online guy because he, he wouldn't adapt to looking after the customer. We've warned him and spoken to him and coached him. We've done everything. He just didn't get it. This is a year, but this is a year of coaching. So after a year, it's over, so we shake hands and he goes. And that's the only way it works. We then look at this. How interesting is, is this part, where we've got our database of 650,000 customers. How good is that if we could, every time a customer came in, and we get about a million customers a week in our stores, we only have 650,000. So our franchisees are a bit lazy, they're content. So if they were really hungry, I should have 20 million people. So if we're getting a million customers a week, right, then that's massive. Where are the sign-ups? So we've got to constantly educate them to sign up. But the good thing about this is when I go to launch a new product, when I go to do, say something, I go to these 650,000 straight away and say sale on or text, and, and that gets people in the door. It actually really works. Can I just ask, does anyone have a member loyalty card in our brand here? So one, two, three, four, five, six. So six out of probably 50. So it just shows you. 
So it's really important and, and what's exciting is when we come first to market, we look at how do we commute to our people, be getting the loyalty cards that look, they're all the same out there. People, what is gonna make our loyalty card different? What's gonna make you have it in your wallet? It's very, very critical and it's really important. But what we're finding is, and this is something we never thought of a long time ago, is social media. If we're not part of social media, then it's definitely over. It's history. I don't even know. I was talking to Nikki about my presentation and my team were talking to her because I have no idea how to get this going. And that's, but if I ask my son to do it, he'd do it in a heartbeat. So we as a brand have to keep talking to people. The best way to, everyone talks about the Kardashians, if, if, if somebody is having an affair or whatever they're having, so I tell my people, look at the front cover of a magazine, of a new idea or anything. We have to become a front cover. In our business, if we don't become the front cover and keep the news going out of what's hot and what's not, then it's over. And we found that by having these Facebook and blogs, we're getting thousands of people looking at it, thousands. We're getting interaction. We're getting bloggers. From this, we've actually got a, a group called Urban Outfitters in the States. They've come onto our website saying, and this is my next part, we have brands in our stores that are ours. And these brands have nothing to do with Harehouse Warehouse. So we have about 10 to 12 brands. And all of these brands, and it's one thing, is we make sure they're better than the others. So for example, a GHD hair straightener that every woman loves. We went to the factory where GHD was made, which was in Korea. Ours is called Halo. Halo is um, made in Korea, blah, and all of the best technology. GHD is now made in China for a cheaper technology, but still got the branding and marketing. So what do we do? When you look at this, how do we combat online? How do we combat point of difference? We're in a shopping center where there's other competitors. So how do we stop people from going to other stores? What it does is by having a private label, we're creating a difference in the market. It draws consumers into the store, and that's what we have to do. But also, it solidifies and it gives our credibility of who we are and what we are to say, we want loyal people, we're exclusive, and you can only get these things in our stores. We have a website for each brand. It has its own logo. So you don't, there's no association with Harehouse Warehouse at all. So Curious Grace is for a younger generation. There is that bright color, crazy color. You know, you've got Halo, which is an amazing hair straight. We're selling thousands of them. And Make, which is a shampoo and conditioner range. But there's nothing to do with Harehouse Warehouse here. So the whole, we have bloggers that are blogging and we have all that stuff. And we are having people. Urban Outfitters, which are huge in America, didn't even know who they were, have now taken on an order for Halo. Uh, sorry, for Make. And now they want Dare. That's a mate, an Australian brand. We want to open up in the States. We want to open up in the UK. We've been talking about international for years. <clears throat> but this is what's getting us some brand awareness and it's really exciting. What we did, when you see these ads, they are like L'Oreal's done it. They're, it's like we, ha we've, we have an internal agency. So we've made these ads like it's been done by a brand that has hundreds of million dollars behind it. They look really good and they really work and it's amazing. So we've created all of this by internally. So internally, we've created our own agency, collective brands. We don't outsource anything anymore. So from the first day we started, we used to 
it was Tony and I, and that was it. Now there's 63 of us in the office. There's 63 people to make this tick. We could be overstaffed, but what we're looking to do, and we hassle the hell out of our CEO. We want more, we want more. Where's the sales? Sales for franchisees means sales for us. We're not greedy, it's a win-win. It's all about win-win. Some franchisees fail. The ones that fail, why did they fail? What keeps me up at night is a franchisee losing their home, and it happens. So what do I do? I do a health check on the business to make sure is this business, is it a good business? Is this business flawed? Is it over? I always do this, all the time. And you know what our business is about? It's about the operator. Proven a million times over. The operator, it's up to him. It's up to him being personal best every day. It's up to him whether, like, coming in here, you've got to be motivated listening to what the M500 group have. And that's what we have to create in our office every day. And those 63 people have to create to the 140 franchisees, which is about 95 because there's multis, how many millions do they have invested? How many mouths do we have to feed? So we've got to create constant motivation and constant, like, this future. So the ones that fail, it hurts. And then you think, oh my God, they've lost their home, they have to start again. But then when someone else comes in and picks it right up, why is that? That's because they're hungry. That's because they're committed and they want to work. Another really good thing and a very bad thing is being a family business. And a family business, I mean, Craig, Craig's my trainer. I hope you can tell I train every day and all that sort of stuff. But Craig's known my brother and I for a, for a, a lot of years. And in, in a family business, there's plenty of passion. There's, there's plenty of it. In a family business, there's plenty of persistence. Failure is not an option, but there's also competition between us. It's like who has the better day? Who's going to make more money? Who's going to beat the target? Who's going to come up with a better idea? Like it's full on. It's very competitive. What was really good is the support and trust that we had from our partners, our wives, our parents. My parents were involved from day one. My dad, who's 90 today, still comes to the office every day to check the mail. It keeps him going. And I get the same lecture every day. What's this one doing? What's that staff member doing? Like, it's amazing. Old school, every day. So it's really exciting. But the other part is this, the challenges. And the challenges are we're different. We really are different. My brother wants to stack them high, watch them fly. I want them neat and tidy, but look value. So he used to cut the boxes up, like in the, in the alcohol liquor days, and I used to get a, a stand made and put them in the stand. And I'd be you know, just following him everywhere. So it was just ridiculous. Another thing was there was no switch off. So the worst thing is that relationships at home definitely cop a bit of a beating. So I didn't want to see him because I've seen him all day. So what happens is my wife would ring me and say, we're going out for dinner tonight. No problem, great. Anything to get out of cooking for her. So we go out to dinner. I go to the restaurant, who's there? My brother and his wife. And I think, what the hell? And the two girls said, see, this is how we've got to keep this going because you two, if we don't make this happen, you won't be here for each other. And that's so true. The women stuck behind us. And what they did was they made us switch off, end up talking about work anyway, but we still had to, and I'm thinking, hell, and, and it's happened. And we've been, 28 years later, we're still together. We're 50-50 in everything we do. Any other ventures that we do, it's, we're automatically in. 
So don't even ask each other. I'm doing something, you're in. That's it, vice versa. We trust each other. We've never had an issue about money in accounts or whatever because we're all for one mission, one goal. And that's amazing. And the other thing that was really bad is 24-7 work, seven days a week. Oh my God, we never stopped, we never stopped. And there was no balance. Still today, we're trying to find balance. Today, it's getting harder. If whoever's in retail, it's getting harder and harder. And the biggest thing that we have is we're trying to get more people in the door every day. Then we look at succession planning. So people look at, what do you do? So that's my brother on the left. And we look at, what do we do in our business if we weren't around or if we're going to stop and so on? So there's a gentleman here in the middle um, named Emad. He's been with us for 18 years. He used to work for us as, at Knox City as a junior. So his job was to be the cleaner to be the coffee man, to be the stock filler, and so on. He now has bought 10% into the company, and he's a shareholder. My son today is working under him and his brother in their store as the cleaner, the coffee man, and he's learning all the way. And he's not going to, and his goal is to become a, a business development manager who's someone that helps other franchisees grow their business, but he has to learn how to run the business first. So he's working very hard. And the gentleman on the end is our CEO. So our CEO is someone who runs the day-to-day, -day, who is focused on day-to-day -day and making sure franchisees are getting what they need. But then you look at what's next for us. So you know what's next for us is mergers and acquisitions. We're looking to really become the market leader of the beauty sector. Skin, you know, um, Botox, um, laser, well-being, health and well-being is a huge business. It's probably number three or number four in the world of growing businesses. So we want to be the biggest, and we also want to be really excited. We have one person who wants to open up in the UK next year. This is someone we've been working on for about six years, and it's just talk to and throw, to and throw. So we're going to partner with them. So we're going to open up our first store in the UK as a JV partner. In the UK, we'll probably open up 300 stores. And the UK is exactly like Australia, the way they think, the way they spend. And in hairdressing, all our ideas come from the UK. And that's really exciting. So we then, so on, on the ongoing and the legacy, we want to keep our legacy going. We want to make sure it's not over. And, we, and Tony, my brother, has all his kids working in the business. One's our marketing manager, amazing. The other one runs online, fantastic. The other one's in buying. So, they all create their own. They're not the boss's daughter. And they definitely don't get treated like a boss's daughter. We've turned from a two-man show into a massive amount. This is at our conference last year. And we have a photo every year at conference. We are bigger than some small towns, country towns. But we did this because the community supported us. So the community out there are you guys. You are our customers. And what we're doing now is we're coming up with a foundation. We need to give back. So we're creating our foundation and we're getting our franchisees to pick the foundation they want. And we're gonna decide, we have our conference in September the 7th, an annual conference. And we wanna give back to the community and really support something and thank the community because they've given us all of this. This video was about culture. This was done in our team, the whole culture of our business. We launched it to our franchisees. So culture is everything. Making your team happy is critical. If they're unhappy, we're gonna have a disastrous day. If they work, if they in, in retail can't be bothered, then it's over. I walked into a store once and I said to a girl, one of the staff members, I could make a salad with your hair because it was that oily. 
she ended up putting, and it was probably the worst thing I could say to someone, but that's how bad it was. But So in our business, we need to lead by example. So what do we do? All of the girls and the guys have got to have their hair looking good. We don't care about below. We're about that. And that's what we sell. We sell colour. We sell style. We sell makeup. So we've got to look the part. How can we have regrowth or we need a haircut if we're in a business that does that? It's, in, it's wrong. And they're the issues we deal with each day. And we deal with non-compliant people because they want to do their own thing. And we, it's like we have police officers checking to make sure stores are doing things properly. But part of all of this is we, um, we still love what we do. We're enjoying it. We're bringing in more people. We're growing our business. We've had boards before. We're getting, and we've sacked our board a few times because it wasn't, it wasn't active enough. We want to grow, but what we want to grow is, I have one goal that I really want to do this, and it's so important. The people that believe in me and my brother and our supports, we call it support centre. So if you look at the flight centre story, he went on the IPO stock market and whoever believed in him and his staff got the shares at an amazing price and some got shares. What did they do? The ones that invested and believed in it made millions out of it. How would that be if you could make other people a millionaire and make them successful? And that's something that's a personal goal for me, that if we did do that or whatever, I've got my CEO who wants to buy in to the business. So people wanting to buy in but we're making sure it's not about the money, it's about the right person and the culture. And is that person going to go to the next level for us? Because we were only a part of the way. So we're thinking 140 stores. We had about 155 at one stage. So we've closed down a few because the, the market has changed. So we are constantly growing, growing, growing but, and, and trying to be our best every day. So I hope you enjoyed it. Well done. Wow. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's business owners and then there's serial business owners. That's a journey, right? And would everyone agree that was just so much insight as to what it takes day in, day out, not just for a year or two or five. Joe, it's a fact a business actually arrives at about the seven-year mark after it decided to be a business, by the way. See, many of us run a business, and it takes us 10 years to realise, holy shit, I better run a business now. There's no time, such as the time is now, to get on with it. That was fantastic questions. I have one question. I hope it's easy. The whole, the, the whole aspect of evolution and, um, I guess, maturity, and, and almost to the point of going naked to reinvent yourself, right? Help me understand, what is the key aspect of strategic thinking that has you constantly reinventing? What is the number one thing that you believe when everyone's given you their ideas and their versions of, okay, hang on, this is what could happen, how do you ultimately say, yes, this is what we're doing? It's really a good question because it's a very dangerous journey because we have new graphic people, we have... We have a, a brand manager that wants to take us in a journey that we're thinking, what the hell is she on? So we, I wouldn't even dare show my brother half the stuff that we, we're looking at because he would have a breakdown. So what we do is, and it, it, it's, it's true, so what we do is we have a lot of battles, we have a lot of meetings, we have a lot, we're very, you, you said before, how do you, decision making, 
our decision making, we're a bit too slow because we're very cautious that this could either make, this next move could either make or break us. So what are we doing about it? We're doing more research and all of this stuff, but what we're doing is, is, is it right? And we know what we've found so far, we're actually going too far away from where we are. We've, we're going too over the top. So we as a group have to work out what, will we, what will, are we known for? Don't forget where we started and what we came from. Don't lose our values. So I'm telling the teams, I've got a new girl who's amazing from the UK saying, you need to be this, this and this. And I'm saying, but what about all of the 28 years that, that people know who we are? She said to me, get rid of the word warehouse. Only threw her out of the door. But that was, <laughs> but then I'm thinking, I'm being serious. Like, and I thought, oh God, here we go. And then they go, we're, we're gonna look at a logo change. And I'm thinking, what a disaster. Oh my God, and they've come up with hair house and all this stuff and long and, and I'm thinking, oh no. And then all the research showed that people didn't even know hair house where they knew the circle. So we have to fight our team because when someone's new, they have new ideas. It's like, so they're telling you, they don't even know your business. And they're telling you, you've got to do this, this and this. And you're thinking, what the hell? Hang on a second. And, you, and that's what we do. So we really sit down we're very passionate, very emotional, and we discuss and discuss and discuss. And even till uh, yesterday, we sent back to our designers about 200 changes of that, that new look to make it more, uh, attract more inviting and more, you know, look and feel safe. So it's, it's, it's very scary and it's very hard. But like I said earlier, we've never built a prototype and we will not do this new look and feel until we do because we don't want to risk what we've built, because we can lose it. And the, and the larger you get those decisions and the healthy debate, that's what it sounded like, <laughs> a healthy debate becomes greater. The, the bigger you get, the easier you could fall, right? So when you're smaller and you're a little more flexible, the decisions can be a little lesser in intensity. However, as important to get to a point where you're much bigger and a little more and greater due diligence and healthy debate is needed. Round of applause. Thank How cool is that? Thank you, Joseph. I know you're a very busy man. Just a very small, small gift by all uh, of us here I'm and the Business sorry. Benchmark Group. Thank, Thank you, you, mate. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Stephen Kazakis, and uh, sincerely wish that you, uh, you enjoyed the sharing from Joseph Latouf, the founder, the, uh, I guess, one of the owners and uh, original, I guess, um, brains behind the, uh, the hair house, warehouse uh, fame and, and multiple other businesses along the way. I guess, you know, the thing that strikes me is that, uh, you know, succession planning, um, you know, wanting to grow a legacy. How, how is that, uh, I guess, uh, applicable to you and your business? I mean, Joseph went on to uh, share how, you know, they turned that two-man show in 1992 into a business that collectively um, is an employer of um, 1,000 plus employees throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, I guess, the, uh, the 250 stores. And, and, you know, I guess when you think about succession planning and what's possible for you and where are you taking your business, I mean, 
everything does start with a dream, you know. What is the vision? What is the destination? What does it look like when it's finished? Thereafter is the, uh, I guess, the, the, the sometimes painful aspects of confirming what are the subset goals that get us on the journey, the little, the little pebbles, the little stones that we need to step on towards that journey and that destination, that vision, that dream. What are the little subset goals? And, and I guess hearing what uh, Joseph just shared with us, it, it's a reminder that, you know, in the adult world, the moment you uh, sort of put your hand up to be uh, one of the 13% of adults in the population of the world to be growing and leading and doing what you need to do to move your business forward, what is it that you are ultimately setting out as your dream for which you need to, it's important to, it's so relevant to have more and more people on your team being on that journey towards that destination with you. So dreams multiplied by goals, multiplied by a really clear plan that for which every other day and every other week and every other month we have actions that are measurable and ultimately giving us the best, the best opportunity to be re, re, re-executing and or correction and therefore execution to have a better aspect towards measurement. So, you know... I just feel uh, listening to business owners and entrepreneurs in real sense, such as Joseph Latour, give every one of us, I guess, the, uh, the, the upside of going on the journey and don't leave anything to chance. You know, if there's a door worth opening, open it. If there's a country worth visiting, visit it. If there's a hire that you need to hire, find out a way to be more attractive as a value proposition, employer and or organisation and attract the best talent that you can get. Pay them. Pay them $20,000 more than they're actually worth because at some point, at some point, if you wish to be attracting A-grade talent so that you are growing an A-grade team that looks after an A-grade customer, you will be creating a business that has a waiting list, not only for customers, but also a team that you wish and deserve to have called yours. I'm Stefan Kazakis, where we empower every business owner on their continuous and ongoing journey towards business and life success. That's what we do here at Business Benchmark Group for those that are so committed to doing their push-ups. It ain't funny. Triple-digit growth for many of you does not come by just looking at and wondering what needs to happen next. You're onto it. You're committed. You're focused on the trivial, on the trivial many not being the list, but the critical few being the ultimate list that you are totally focused on. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. We are so close to a milestone moment in this period, and we have a perfect opportunity for reset and go. This is the time for which one of the two lines in the sands is coming. Enjoy. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education, and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03-9001-0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.